Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Fintech Insider Live! Welcome to Fintech Insider Live, ladies and gentlemen. Give yourselves a round of applause for being here. Fintech Insider is a podcast, primarily. A podcast (laughs) by enthusiasts, for enthusiasts, all about fintech. And we're the most popular fintech podcast in the world, thanks to you guys. And I'm joined by my co-host, Jason Bates. Jason, how are you, sir? I'm good. Hey, guys. How are you? So I'm a co-founder of Starling & Monzo, two new digital challenger banks in the UK. And now I build new products and propositions and ventures for the big boys, for the big banks. Well, that's what I do by day. By night, I do this, which is still a bit kind of crazy. You go from doing that big sort of program project stuff to standing in a beach in Helsinki. But hey, Sam, you got a better story? I always have a better story. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Sam Mall. I represent the U.S. Somebody has to. Um, if you can't tell, I'm dressed like a U.S. gym teacher or volleyball coach, according to... <laughs> The smart ass over there. Uh, if you want to know what FinTech Insider is, do me a favor, everybody. Look to your left. Now look to your right. Now take a drink. <laughs> FinTech Insider. <There> you go. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, thank you very much to OP and to all of the sponsors for putting this show together. We really appreciate this. And this is a little bit different. A party in a beach in Helsinki. Who saw that coming? Um, and this is our first trip to Finland. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, just not surreal to everyone. I mean, it's driving rain outside, it's cold, it's zero degrees, and here we are in a beach with pina coladas in the middle of Helsinki. So thank you, OP, for, for sorting that out. Yeah. Thank you, OP. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually from Florida, so this is normal for me. Your, your weather outside, what the hell? <laughs> when does the sun come out? Because I've been here two days. And I, but, but April? We're also, Who said April? Yeah, get rid of them. That was bad. But we're also doing fintech innovation tonight. You've heard of Android Pay? Yeah? You've heard of Apple Pay? Yeah? Pineapple Pay. These badges, they're, they're worth more than gold tonight. You use them over at the bars. They get you four drinks. I mean, this is fintech innovation at its best. It doesn't get more real than this. We've got sand. We've got drinks. In fact, we've got coconuts. We've got pretty much everything we need for a party. But now we've got a crowd. Crowd, are you ready for Fintech Insider Live? That was good. All right, let's do this. Now, hey, you're, like, you're, I think you're jumping the gun here. You're getting more riled up. They don't even know what they're cheering for. Like, what is this thing? So this is how it's going to work. We've got some like, great fintech people to come up and tell us about fintech in the Nordics. How does that all work? We've got some experts. We've got some players from the industry who we're going to go and talk to. We've got a boat to interview them in. I mean, like, find an event that has a boat to do interviews. That's just crazy. It's a dinghy. We've argued about this for freaking three hours. That's not a boat. <laughs> Sam, you're going to be in a boat later. We'll it's send you there. a dinghy. I'm sorry. All right, we have joining us several interview guests. We have a panel, and I'm going to introduce the panel because, oh my goodness, what a panel we have. We have the stars of Nordic Fintech. And first, we have Yanni, who is the VP of Product at Zervant. Yanni, welcome to the stage, sir. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Yanni. 
What a star. Thank you for being here. Next, of course, we have the wonderful Marisol Mendez from BBVA. Marisol! And, of course, AJ from Holvey. AJ, join us, sir. Thank you for being here, AJ. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Where's my I feel like we're missing someone. We're missing... We need... How about this guy right here? This guy. This guy right here, laying down on the beach towel... Jamie Campbell from Bird, come to the stage. Thank you, thank you. All right, so we're in Finland, the home of fintech, of course. Oh, God, there's going to be a lot of that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, we had to start. We (laughs) had to start. So thank you for joining us. First of all, I'm going to start with you. Yari, tell me a little bit about Zervan and tell me why do you think that fintech in Finland and the Nordics is really starting to happen? <clears throat> Thank you. Um, yes, I'm uh, Jani Tierla, VP of product at Servant. Um, Servant is a um, super easy sales in- invoicing tool for uh, small businesses um, across Europe. Um, basically, we help um, entrepreneurs get paid for their hard work and we're also helping them out with invoice financing and uh, trade credit insurance. I'm liking the sound of helping entrepreneurs get paid. Is anybody, anybody an entrepreneur that wants to get paid? Yeah! So you need Zervan. Zervan, thank you for being with us, Yanni. I really appreciate it. Whilst we're on the subject of entrepreneurs, AJ, tell people about Holvi. So Holvi is a, is a service uh, which allows micro-entrepreneurs to uh, collect revenue by sending invoices by setting up a web shop and selling their products online. And also on the other side, it allows uh, entrepreneurs to uh, keep track of their expenses and pay their bills. And that, what that does is it actually gives you a real-time accounts receivable and accounts payable. So they know exactly where their business is going. They know where you're going in life. I appreciate that, AJ. And Marisol, I am so glad to have you with us. BBVA, the star of fintech for many years, and uh, open innovation is what you look after. What is open innovation exactly? Well, open innovation, besides something uh, super cool, (laughs) open innovation is the way to connect the outside world, everything amazing that is happening all around the world with us. Connecting the outside world with us. Whilst we're connecting the outside world to us, Jamie, who can you hear in your coconut? Something really insightful. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, tell us a little bit about Bud. Uh, Hi, I'm Jamie Campbell uh, from Bud, which is a London-based fintech company. Um, We are a financial services marketplace, really. Uh, We link together uh, fintechs from uh, investment, insurance, pensions, currency exchange, the whole suite of financial services, link them all together, and then we license that technology to banks. A few few weeks ago, we announced our official partnership with uh, HSBC in in, uh, in the UK, and uh, yeah, we're kind of growing, growing massively and excited to get things uh, kicked off in, in Europe in the next year. Thank you, Jamie. So no let's talk about the scene here in Finland. Fintech has been growing for a number of years. We've had, I think, the hype. Are we seeing the delivery? Yanni, tell me, do we think that Fintech is just hype or are we going to see it become real? And what is, is, can Finland be the home of it and why might it be? Well, I think there certainly is uh, a lot of real innovation happening there. Uh, it's not uh, just hype. We have uh, demand, especially from uh, all the customers there, both consumers and businesses, 
who require digital experiences. Uh, and and uh, I think this is what, what's driving the innovation. You've got demand from the customers here in the market. But Adrian, tell me, what makes Finland special? What makes the Nordic region special for fintech? Well, I think uh, it's, it's actually pretty simple. Uh, you look at the uh, sort of the Euro- European Commission data on the Digital Economy and Society Index, and uh, who are the top three countries there? They're Finland, Denmark, and Sweden. So, so actually, people know how to use technology. They're willing to use it. And companies know how to use technology to their advantage and, w- and are willing to produce services. So you combine a market that wants to do stuff and, uh, and you know, the, demand, uh, the, the supply that uh, can do it, and that's it. Do you hear that, audience? That means you guys are really smart. That's why fintech is happening here. You heard it from AJ. <laughs> you guys are amazing, apparently. So... <laughs> Apparently so. Marisol, um, talk to me, though, about this region and collaborating with fintechs. With Open Innovation, you've had to collaborate with people that might be in this room. What works and what doesn't work? What hasn't worked? Well, I think that we can sum it up that it wor- everything works if we can bring a better solution for our customer needs together. Mm-hmm. If each of us specialize in whatever we do the best. And we have one of the best examples here, working with our friends from Hobi. Oh, right. oh, high five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What the hell is this? I don't, I feel like. <laughs> it's love. It's a cool vibe here, guys. Um, yeah, we learn from what they are. <laughs> Competition is, is breaking out on That's stage, people. <laughs> but what do you learn from Hobi? Continue. Move my chair over no, the thing is that <clears throat> they are really good at what they do. Yeah. Connecting and giving the value to the micro entrepreneurs and solve the real problems. What they suffer from the real life. And we know we can learn from them. And we give into the equation something interesting as well. The knowledge in our markets, infrastructure, connection with the Lots of learning, lots of infrastructure. Jamie, you've dealt with a few big banks before. What yeah. have you learned when collaborating with banks? Are they all like pretty hip or are there some that are better than others? What's going on? What's really going on? Give me the scoop. <laughs> I think, um, you know, when, you, when you're looking to collaborate with banks, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of difficulties internally that you'll, that you'll, that you'll face. But everyone is normally, you know, very aligned on the fact that they want to create better solutions for their customers. I mean, every bank, you know, they have it plastered on all of their brand documents, um, you know, and they send out emails to all of their employees to make sure that they're, um, you know, serving their customers better. Um, but when it comes to kind of actualizing on some of these collaborations, it's a, it's a case of making sure that you have the right technology at the right time um, yeah. and bringing together a suite of, uh, of services that really, uh, like, captures that banks need or, you know, whether it's um, serving someone better in the wealth sector or whether it's speeding up the time for someone to a small business to get a, to get a loan. You know, those are the kind of the niche or, or smaller problems within the larger organization, which they're always trying to, to kind of do better on. Um, and that's where fintech and bank collaboration becomes really special. Because ah, so can collaboration can be special. Like we've heard a lot about fintech collaboration. We, I think we've heard a lot about it. Have you guys gone that route at Zervant? Have you done any collaboration with the big banks? Or have you guys been largely outside of the big banks? We have definitely had collaborations. We uh, are working uh, with the ING Bank in Belgium. We have uh, uh, kind of white-labeled our own service uh, for them. But it's yeah. effectively the same, same uh, uh, service. We're also here because we are, are collaborating with uh, uh, the OP Bank. Oh, you're collaborating uh, with OP. How has the collaboration helped you? For us, in, in general, what we can provide the big banks is agility and, and uh, uh, fast innovation. What, what uh, we get from them often is, is uh, 
market access, great brand, uh, also resources. Um, and it, this is not just in, in the servant collaborations. I've, I've seen a lot of, of, of uh, uh, startup uh, um, corporation you partnerships. You see a lot of this collaboration. They've got a lot of customers. You've got a lot of agility. And actually, it seems like a match made in heaven. But surely, AJ, it can't all be heaven, right? There's got to be some challenges. Have you experienced any challenges collaborating with banks? And what would you say would be your superpower versus their superpower? Well, uh, my personal superpower is that I can spell check anything faster than anyone. You can spell check faster than anybody. I absolutely can find all the typos. So that's my personal superpower. But of course, with the big banks, I mean, the only big bank that we work together with were actually owned by is BBVA. Oh. And and that collaboration is, is, is a very good one because the roles are very careful. They own us and they approve the strategy and we execute on that. So that's, that's cool. But we have had discussions with, uh, with a couple of banks and the, the interesting bit is that when this deregulation is happening, it actually means that, uh, that they have to focus on some things. And focus always means you do something, you don't do other things and, and there are clearly openings for fintechs to, to sort of complement what the big banks or what the banks are doing. You're so right. Radical focus is what we need. And speaking of radical focus, let's have everybody look at Jason. Jason, <laughs> you're over there right now. How are you, Jason? I'm off stage. Hey, uh, so I'm here with Jitendra Kavateka, Managing Director of Innovation at Accenture. Yeah, big title. W- like, wow. what does that mean? Well, actually, it's open innovation. And what it means is... Uh, Similar to what you said, bringing the outside in, and for us, we're a services firm. So what we're trying to do is find what's happening in the ecosystem with the startups, engage with them, so we can help our clients go through the major transformations that they're going through. So, being the big player in the market, how does collaboration uh, work between that fintech and the big bank? Is it all just a a shiny, nice interface? Right. That is a great question, and I think if you look at uh, the great panelists here you got a good cross-section of fintech. But what you don't have are the fintech companies that are technology-centric companies, AI companies, blockchain companies, AR, VR companies. And so in combination, when you look at those technologies, those technologies are helping our clients get through some major shifts. The banks go through major shifts. And those shifts could be uh, triggered by regulatory changes in a regulatory environment. It could be GDPR that's hitting everybody right Uh now. Uh, It could be a bunch of different things. You just look at open banking, right? Opening up your bank is a pretty, uh, pretty extensive process. Everything from the technology base and the infrastructure and laying out the, the access methods and then what are the actual services, cybersecurity all around that. So who are the innovative players that are going to help the banks actually get the technology to go do that? So we are trying to be that bridge maker of finding the, the capable companies that are out there in the startup world yeah. that are bringing differentiated AI technologies, blockchain technologies, cybersecurity technologies to help do open banking, for example. But do you really see that as bit being what banks need? It might be what, what they want yeah. in terms of reg tech, dealing with GDPR, dealing with their big mainframes, bringing, uh, bringing startups in in order to reduce costs. Yeah. But surely that's a, a, a thing that's going to be a, a, a problem as we move forward a few years. Yeah. And we're talking about completely changing some of their infrastructure. Yeah, completely changing. And you take a look at wealth management today. Wealth management, the, the, the generation that's passing on their wealth to the next generation, these are two different personalities. These are two different customer personas. Yeah. And so how do you really know the, the, inherit, the inheritor of the wealth, and how do you interact with them if you're a wealth management service company? And so what technologies do you use to really get to know them? 
Well, how good is your KYC? Yeah. You know, what are the modes to interact with them? Otherwise, you're going to lose market share because you don't resonate with that population, right? So, so I think it goes both ways. I think it's not just a technology question, obviously, but the technology is one of the components, and we see a very fast kind of innovative cycle with the startups. Yeah. And so the, the question is, how do we tap into that? And how do we partner with them so that Accenture is doing all the heavy lifting afterwards, which is the integration, of course, but it's also the change management and the consulting, it's the strategy work, it's the actual helping our banks get through that whole cycle. And I think that's a really insightful point, that actually the big change isn't really about digital, it's not about a new interface or a nice app or a website, it's about operating model and business model change. Yes. And does that really fall in to that sort of digital innovation side, or actually is it a different part of the bank? Uh, that's a really good question, right? So you see the innovation side, and then you kind of see the kind of core side that has to go through these transformations. But you don't see the bridge very easily there, and maybe, maybe you might debate me on that, but it's really hard to kind of get from that innovation side into the core business, yeah. at least we're seeing it that way. And so the way we look at it is, let's start with the core business. And let's see what the, what the opportunities are from a strategic perspective or strategy perspective. And let's see what the big transformation looks like. And then go pull in the technologies that matter versus starting with a startup and try to figure out where it should go. Right. I mean, that happens also. But when yeah. we're looking at kind of big transformations, let's start with the transformation. Yeah, that, There's that, like seven streams that's going to happen there. And each one of them are going to have very interesting players to be a part of that. Yeah, that technology in the foreground and suddenly your what do we do with a chatbot, what do we do with a blockchain yeah. is very different from saying where do we want to be yeah. and how do we use technologies and startups to get there. Absolutely. You look at uh, anti-money laundering, fraud and risk. AML is a great use case, right? So the amount of false positives is very high and the false positives triggers you to go investigate what the issue was and you find out it's a false positive. Yeah. So using AI to understand the signal so your false positive rate goes down dramatically is a huge saver uh -huh. of, of uh, cost, right? And that's, a, that's an efficiency gain. But you know, you're starting with the conversation of AML first, yeah. not conversation with AI first. Yeah. You know, figure out what the problem is and then go figure out what the technologies are that can go after that. Jitendra, thanks for joining us. So Simon, it's, been a pleasure. it's all about the use case. It's all about the use case. It turns out it's all about the use case. So. If you've got your use case figured out, if you're able to collaborate with startups, what happens next? How do you actually execute change? How do you deliver change? Is it all just bullshit if we're just sort of collaborating for the sake of it? If we're just we're figuring out our use cases but not executing? Jimmy, how do you think about executing? How do you get shit done? Yeah, I mean, it depends. It depends what you know. Executing is for you. I mean, a lot of banks would say that executing is curating lots of pilots and uh, and 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 you know and executing on that. But if you mean executing is as getting it to life, there's a number of different stages that you have to go through. Um, these are big organisations, and you're wanting to enact you know quite revolutionary change, especially when you're talking about you know the business model that we're trying to instill in in a number of banks um, in Europe. And I think, you know, the steps to do it is just rigorous, you know, people who are really good finishers. I think a people lot of... People who are good finishers. I think a lot of people who work in startups and fintech um, is no exception. A lot of people who do that are really good starters. You know, they have an idea and they're excited and they want to put stuff on paper and they want to really craft it and they want to put it in the first customer's hands and get that, and get that first kind of bit, bit, of, um, bit of feedback. But to enact a live deployment in a bank, you need people who are really fucking good at finishing. And running a project through a bank where you need to integrate multiple systems is not is is not easy. You know? I feel and you need to. And, and I think the hard yards of going uh, of landing a contract with a bank 
um, is, is all for nothing. If That's you can't just then the start. Add, exactly. Getting the contract exactly. is just the start. Getting it done is everything else. Itchy, how do you think about getting it done in Holvey? How do you, and especially because you've worked with Marisol, and maybe Marisol, you can talk about the experience of having executed and delivered. Actually, we're in a, in a very good place inside the BBVA, BBVA um, organization structure. We're, we're part of uh, what's called New Digital Businesses, and we're one portfolio company in there. And we have a, a pretty free hand at doing what the customers want. So that's what we do. When in doubt, go to customer. Try and learn as fast as you can. Absolutely. Try and lear- learn as much as you can, because the company that learns the fastest then executes only the important bits. And I think that's the most important thing. I completely agree. That's absolutely right. So you're getting it in the hands of the customers quickly. You're executing only the important bits. Marisol, is there anything you'd add to that? For me, the process, the complete process is, have you fallen in love before in your life? Just to see if we have a good conversation. About the matchmaking, you want to make love happen. Yeah, you do, right? With every startup, it's about have you fallen in love? How do you make that match happen? And love is about feeling the needs, in this case, no? Creating the right connections. Create the right connections. Because we understand our own needs. And then when you're in love, nobody needs to push you to go faster. Oh! So if there's a mutual interest and you focus on the right thing... You will get to kiss. You will get to marry. If if you're in love, (laughs) if you are in love, nobody's forcing you to go faster. Uh, That—that's the quote of the night. I think that's 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 going to take it. Um, Yari, anything to add? Well, I would add that uh, a key element, uh, which is easier in your case when you're actually offering a ready-made product uh, to to the banks. uh, And in our case, not any case. to, To agree in the beginning that what it what this thing is very clearly uh, and what it is not. Because if you, haven't agree, if you don't have agreement on what the end goal is, or it's loosely defined... You've got to know the end goal. Yeah. You have to know the end goal. You absolutely have to keep the ability to put it in the hands of customers absolutely right. You've got to be getting there and have good finishers. And once you've got the good finishers, you've agreed the goal, you put it in the hands of customers. If you're going to collaborate, it's like love. It's a beautiful thing, but you've got to work together as a partnership. I think that is applause-worthy. Well done, ladies and gentlemen. That's beautiful. We made beautiful love happen. Oh, please. And moving from falling in love with Marisol, we now have in a boat. boat. The love boat. The the love boat. (laughs) We have Sam with... I'm with Thomas from Holvey. He's one of the co-founders. Your name's not Thomas. That's the U.S. pronunciation. Yeah, Holby's in the house, evidently. That's a big deal. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I don't know if we're supposed to now rock the boat or um, at least we're pretty boat, well grounded. But um, anyway. All right. Yeah, I'm on my third beer, dude. You might want to sit down because I'm going to tip this thing. You know, at Christmas, this might be a U.S. thing. At Christmas, when you have all your relatives over and there's a kid's table on the side or at a wedding and you have all the people you don't like and you put them in the back, I'm in the fucking kid's table right now. <laughs> I don't know how I got stuck with this. We love you anyway. Yeah, I do love you too. Shut up. All right. So Thomas, which, how do you say Thomas in Finnish? How do you say it? Uh, Thomas. Yes, Thomas. Um, let's talk a little bit about Holvi. Again, you're one of the co-founders. And we had an interesting conversation before this. You were kind of talking about the history of Finland, right? In the 1990s yeah. and a financial crash that happened. And can you kind of walk me through the history real quick? that led up to the creation of Holvi. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, so when we look at, at Holvi, so Holvi was very much um, born um, during the, the financial crisis. So um, back in the day, we had a, a earlier startup um, called Scred, um, which good name, except that everyone would mispronounce it. Um, you can yeah. try to pronounce it or mispronounce it. But anyway, Holvi is a much better name. Um, so it was born in... in, in 2008, um, we basically did something much more on the informal side of finance. But with, with Scred, we got to, um, to Seedcamp, the, the UK accelerator. An interesting start to the journey. It was exactly the week when, um, in the previous weekend, Lehman Brothers had gone down. And the event was held in London at a business school. And at the um, uh, lecture hall in the business school, there was a big list of investment banks. Uh, big global banks, and we would come to the seed camp event every day, every morning, and we would look at the list. Okay, which of these guys are still in existence, or which of these guys have, have merged? So it was uh, AIG, um, Merrill Lynch going to the Bank of America, all the UK banks, um, Lloyd's and HBOS. So that was kind of um, where we got our start, um, right in the middle of, of the financial crisis. Yeah, it's amazing how many fintech companies came out in 2008, and actually yeah. how many are still around, which, by the way, not many. So yeah. congratulations, Holvi, on that for surviving that. You're in the... In... Okay, Holvi people, drink your beer, shut up. That's great. But, but you're literally in fintech ages, you're a dinosaur now, because you've been around since then. But, but how did you pivot from 2008 to what Holvi is today? What led to that? Yeah, I mean, so the, the Holvi founding team, um, we'd always been entrepreneurs. So um, a bunch of us had been running our own software consultancy. Um, our head of product, Mikko Terenhovi, who's somewhere here. So he was running his own um, uh, graphic design consultancy. Um, so we'd been entrepreneurs. And we'd also build um, some software for ourselves to run our businesses. And some of the software is actually used by Slush. So we run the, um, the finances of Slush for the first f uh, four years um, until they actually grew out of the Holovy target space. So Slush is not exactly a small business anymore. So we parted ways um, in, in, in good terms with, with, with Slush. Um, but yeah, we'd been running our own businesses. We'd built software to run those businesses. And then um, around 2010, 2011, um, the first payment service directive came around. So not PSD2, PSD1. And PSD1 brought a new possibility called payment institutions that you could actually run a very much a lightweight financial institution, but do all the services that entrepreneurs would, would require. So we kind of um, looked at the pieces that we had. There was very favorable regulation, regulation that actually made things possible. We had our existing code, our existing service, and we just basically looked at, okay, the existing incumbent banks really don't have good services for small businesses. Could we actually build something better? And we decided to, yes, we can, and that's rest is history. Yeah, I mean, some of the best fintech companies, in my opinion, are created around a problem they had that, that was personal to them. So, you know, for example, in the UK, there's Moniz, and the founder there came over, you know, from Europe, went to the UK, tried to open a bank account, and it was hell on earth, couldn't do it. Um, Asimo, which is a cross-border payment, same thing. Woman tried to move, you know, money back to her mother in Poland, and it was easier to strap cash to her body, fly on Ryanair, 
and hand the cash to her mom, that was faster than actually doing it. So because of that experience, she created her own company. So I, I love the pivot, but there's also risk involved in that because I, I think we talked about this, right? Yeah. You, you look at it and go, oh, we got a great solution. Then you go out and look at the market to see if anybody's doing it. And when they aren't, you have to ask yourself, is there a freaking reason no one's doing this? I mean, how, how did you guys actually take that leap and decide you were going to go forward with that? Well, I mean, we absolutely knew that, that there was a need in the market. Um, there really wasn't anything uh, for really um, the small businesses, the micro-entrepreneurs. There was good services for individuals, and there was reasonable services for big corporates. But for the micro-enterprises, there was really nothing out there. So and we really knew that the need was there. Um, we had the need ourselves. Then it was really just um, getting a couple of good investors on board um, and then running with it and um, getting investors who um, bought into the vision as well. That, yeah. that, yes, this actually can be done. There's, there's a lot of, for successful companies, and Holvi, we put right up there, right? I mean, Wired, you're in, you're out. Ranks you as one of the best startups. You're not a startup, by the way, anymore. But one of those best tech startups in Finland, I think, I don't know, five, six years running. But there's the factor of being able to pivot, right? That's incredibly important. But timing is also incredibly important. Pivoting at the right time and, and finding that right solution, a little bit of luck is nice. The one thing, I, I'm, I'm from Florida, so I have no clue. First time in Helsinki. What, what's the small business setup like as far as Finland is concerned, right? When, when you're marketing to them. Is it similar like to the UK? Is it similar to Germany? I have no clue. So what is that like here? Well, I mean, it's something um, like UK, of course, is very um, small business friendly. Germany, much more traditional. Finland is somewhere in, in, in between. But kind of culturally, what's really changed in the past 10 years, and, and I mean, Slush has been a big thing in that, um, in Finland, that entrepreneurship is a valid career path. Um, you have young people um, coming out of universities and they want to set up their own company or they want to join a, a growing startup or a growing company uh, instead of going to a, a, a big uh, corporate. Um, I mean, 10 years ago, it was that you go to Nokia. I mean, that was a, a very solid, respectable career path. Well, that's not quite there anymore, especially with Nokia. But, um, but really, entrepreneurship has become a, a thing and the, the support of of the whole ecosystem is now really there with, with all the events, with investors, and also the, the government support. And I think that's a massive shift in mindset within Finland and the Nordics. I think we had talked about, you told me in the 90s that there was a financial crash that took place, I think when the Soviet Union collapsed. Yeah. So this idea of, I don't work for one company for 40 years, get my pension and retire, it's the idea of entrepreneurship, multiple jobs, right? Yeah. So you talked a little bit about the UK. If I'm not mistaken, you guys are thinking expansion. You're talking going outside of just Finland, but maybe the UK and other countries. Is that on your plate right now? Well, I mean, we're now in four markets in, in Europe, um, and our market is, is, is Europe. I mean, um, basically, our regulation covers all of the European economic area, um, and we are continually adding new markets, uh, including next year. So yeah, some markets coming up. That's a, that's a, this is a very U.S. term, so apologies. Drink your beer and go with it. That's a very ballsy move to do that because the second you go beyond your border, right? I mean, it's easy to, or it's not easy, but understanding regulation within Finland, for example, well, then the second you step over and you go to Sweden, then you step outside of that, you talk about Germany and the U.K., how, how do you work with regulators for that? How do you ease their concerns when you're saying, all right, now we're ready to move? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, Europe uh, uh, these days, it's the best place in the world to, to build a fintech company. I mean, the regulation is actually good. It's um, proportional. It's, it's something reasonable. Like the services that we do, um, basically a current account um, and the transactional banking services, before payment institutions, you really didn't, it's, it was a gray area. You didn't know what is uh, allowed to do, what is, what is not allowed to do. Whereas now with sensible regulation, you actually have the clarity that, okay, get regulated, it's reasonably straightforward, and you know all of Europe is, is, is open uh, for, for you to, to tackle I mean, and, and under a single regulation. So we're in that sense, we're big fans of, of, of Europe, European Union, uh, and regulation overall. Sensible regulation is a good thing. So you're obviously not British. Hey, Jason, where are you at? Hey, Brexit, how's that going? Dumbass country, sorry. I'm from the U.S. I got absolutely no grounds to call Brexit stupid. <laughs> if y'all, I apologize to everybody. I'm really sorry. God, I'm sorry. You're the, but it's very interesting to hear a co-founder of a, of a fintech startup say, I like the regulation side of it. We have a regulation-friendly environment. We talked about this earlier, that... Probably the most dangerous area for a company is that gray area, right? Where the rules aren't really defined. But you, you actually laid some groundwork for that when, when you started talking about that holdy. And, and so what was that process like with the regulators when you're in that gray area and you say, I'm ready to do this? Well, I mean, um, we did um, what every entrepreneur should do, um, and we started from first principles. We went to the source. We went to the, um, basically, EU directives. We, we took the rule book. We read the rule book. We knew the rule book before we approached the, 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 the regulators. So we could actually very clearly tell what we're doing, why this is within the regulation that, that we're um, looking to, to operate under. So it is really knowing the, the space where you operate. Well, the other thing you had talked about, and, and I think this is a secret. So if you're a fintech founder, this is one of the most important points or takeaways you're going to get today. What's the name of your dog? Uh, Senna. Senna. All right. Rescue dog, right? Estonian freaking something, something. What kind of dog? Huh? Estonian. Estonia, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Estonia rescue dog. So my understanding is she was, or he, whatever the dog is, was there in the early days in your office. And what you would do is when the regulators would come in and they'd ask you for paperwork, you'd say, I'll get that here. Can you please hold my dog? True? Yep. Some, something like that. All right. It, it usually helps. All right. So if you're, do, if you're doing a startup, go buy a freaking dog. I don't care if you like it. or hey, Don't get a cat. <laughs> you get a cat, you're a moron. Okay? Get a dog. Put it in the office. When the regulator comes and you go, oh, shit. Hand the dog to the regulator, okay? And take a long freaking time. Walk away, take a long time, and then come back, and hopefully they'll forget what the hell ever happened. And then you can be holy and get bought by BVA, and life is really good. Thomas, thank you so much. Jason, throw on back to you. Can we have a round of applause for the co-founder of Holvey? Yeah. The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription. Fintech innovation is changing the way we bank. And the speed we deploy new customer experiences is vital. Onboarding the right fintech partners can take months. Do you have time to lose? Introducing the Innovation Acceleration Platform from Temenos. Test fintech solutions at speed with real data straight from the core banking system. 
With a yearly subscription, you can begin testing the same day and create new customer experiences in no time. For more details, visit marketplace.terminos.com. So we've heard a bit about fintechs. We've heard a bit about banks. We've heard a bit about how they work together and spoken to a fintech founder on how that works. But if you're a bank or a fintech in Sweden, in Norway, in Denmark, in Finland, like where do you attack? What's that beachhead? And actually from the outside world, it looks like payments is a thing. You know, Vips, Swish, a whole series of of, uh, startups have evolved and, and really attacked payments. Why? Like, why is payments the place to start? Uh, AJ? Well, especially for our customer segment, the micro-entrepreneurs. I mean, what's the one thing that they want to do? They want to get money in, they need to pay bills out. So what's like in the core of their business? It's payments. And of course, as Thomas was saying, PSD1, the previous PSD, allowed, uh, deregulated that, or actually made it very clear, made the rules very clear. How can a payment institution get in there? So, of course, you know, you want to be doing what your customer wants you to do. You know, you want to be easing their most difficult bit in their their business, which is getting money in, getting money out. So we've got uh, essentially a change in regulation or a, a brand new technology or something suddenly creates this hole, this gap that actually the big incumbents maybe can't get into fast enough. Or, or don't want to get in. Or don't want to get into Yeah. What do you think, Marisol? Well, I think that's, that's true. There is a lot of opportunity in payments, but there are so many other opportunities around that. You know, um, we were discussing before, like, how about solutions for companies? No, we, for example, as a bank, we're looking into ways to improve the way that our customers, client customers, solve their own problems. Uh-huh. We can help them. And we can, well, there are a lot of additional value that we can give to our retail and client customers besides payment. Payments is immediate. And you and me and everybody pays. Mm. That's, that's true. But there are so many other things around that. And I think that's interesting from a point of view of PSD2 obviously is coming along. And a, a bit like PSD1, it suddenly it opens the, the market, suddenly it opens an opportunity to do great things, which I guess is where Bud comes in. Well, I was, I was going to say about payments is that it's, it really is the pointy end of finance. It's the, it's the bit of the finance like ecosystem that normal people touch more than anything else. Yeah. And... Um, you know, when you look at all the opportunities around there, then there are so many little tiny pieces that you can make quicker, make smoother, make uh, more secure, um, you know, or add pieces to it. Like, you know, if you haven't got that money at the point of payment, a credit solution, which is sitting behind it, Klarna is a great example um, here, who provide a service like that. There are so many kind of innovation, micro innovation areas around payments because it's just, it's everyone's doing it. You know, everyone has, who has a, you know, a, a card or a phone is, is doing payments. And that's why there's going to be so many innovations kind of around there constantly. What do you think, Yanni? <clears throat> well, I uh, completely agree here. I think uh, this uh, change and the focus on payments in, is driven by consumer behavior and specifically the change there. We don't shop like we shopped 10 or 20 years ago. And, and um, uh, there simply haven't been uh, means... To, to do online payments. Of course, it wasn't possible. Now we're spending a lot there. We're also carrying our smartphones with us all over. We didn't do that before. That opens up these possibilities. And I think it's just, yeah, we, we behave differently. 
One of the things that we often talk to, uh, to banks about are three, cha- three trends, three changes. The move from digitizing something to making it digital and, and how people address that. The move from commodity products to intelligent services. And actually, how are we moving from payment and account alone just being a thing and turning it into a service? Yeah. And the third piece is that move from a channel, from a silo, through to end-to-end journeys. And I think that, again, interests me because payments are no longer a single thing of move money from one place to another, which people have been doing pretty well for a very long time. Suddenly, there's a whole group of services around that. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, just touching on the idea of, you know, serving an end-to-end journey, um, you know, when you take that outside of payments and you go into, like, hardcore banking, you know, like mortgages and savings products and pensions and stuff like that. You know, if you take a house buying experience from end to end, it isn't just a mortgage, which a bank would be the product that a bank serves for a customer, at that, you know, in that, in that instance. But, you know, a mortgage buying experience for a couple would be shared budgeting. It would be credit score optimization to make me more of an attractive lender. I would be the mortgage product. But then there's the utilities that are in my house, home insurance, contents insurance, all those kind of pieces that fit along the journey. And... You know, what Bud does and, you know, with, with, the, with our bank partners is supply each and every service at every point of that journey so that a bank can do the thing that it does well, double down on innovating within the product space. But what they can do is they can increase their value in terms of the range of services that they offer their customers based on the fact that we can bring in all of these different services at the right time on the journey. Yeah, I was just going to add that, that payments as such, I mean, the moving of money, that's kind of boring. But the fact is that you need to put stuff on top of that. So, so as we're doing both of our, our, you know, there's the invoice data. That actually makes the payment much, much more interesting from, from many points of view. Similarly, you know, when you're, when you're paying for something, you're using your card, uploading the receipt as an attachment to the payment. All of a sudden, you're bookkeeping ready. You know, you've got all the necessary data for your bookkeeper to, to, to do your bookkeeping. And you know, we're working with partners uh, also to, to enable the accountants, the bookkeepers, to work much more efficiently with these small businesses that they can't reach otherwise. So there's, there's a lot of stuff that you can actually add on top of payments that adds value to the customer and to the whole ecosystem. So it's, it's cool. And, and I, I guess... Just, from- sorry, just to add, and once a payment is done, you know, it's there on your transaction, you know, your transactional history. That is a piece of evidence that has said, you know, historic, this person has done a something. Yeah. You know, that is a piece of very valuable data which can power a lot of, you know, whether it's AI capabilities or machine learning capabilities to serve customers based on the historical things that they've done, the actual stuff that they've done. That's, that's going to be a huge kind of impact in the, in the future. And I guess that's one of the things that int- uh, impressed me when I went and visited BBVA recently that we talk to a lot of banks who don't quite get this move from products to services that still see payments in that, well, that's not very interesting. But your CEO very much sees the world in that new intelligent services way. Is that something you think resonates with BBVA? Definitely. I think one of the, 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 the things that sums up this spirit, and he says it a lot, Carlos Torres says it a lot, nobody wants to buy a mortgage. You want to buy a, life, a house to have a life and to be happy, no? And I think that sums up the spirit of what you need to build. You, you need to accompany your customer through his life, through their lives, and help him to their financial well-being, to their happiness at the end. Well, I think, Sam, you've got uh, maybe someone else to give a different view. I know you mentioned Brexit. I'm tempted to go with a whole Trump uh, meme. 
But I think I might leave it there. Who have you got? Yeah, leave me alone, okay? Uh, Finland, whatever your beer is on tap, anybody know the alcohol percentage? Because I'm on my fifth, and I'm American. That is outstanding, by the way. I'm with Tashi. Did I say that right, Tashi? You did, yes. Yeah, Tashi from Tink. I love that name. You said that right as well. Thank you. And Tashi, your surname, because there's no flipping away. How do you say that? Uh, Sultan. It actually means yam. Because you're Swedish, right? No, that's Norwegian. Norwegian? Yes. Okay. We're gonna, yes. I know where Norway is. All right. So we talked about Tink a little bit. And I said, you asked me if I knew what Tink was. And I said, yeah, it's PFM, Personal Financial Management. And you started laughing. Yeah. Because basically you're, you are PFM if it was on steroids. Instead of personal financial management, it would be pure fucking magic, I believe would be the right way to describe what Tink does. That's probably right, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I've been sitting here now listening for a while, and it's quite interesting because I realized that we are really like touching all of the subjects that you're talking about. Uh, so basically, for those of you who don't know, uh, Tink was started five years ago, where we sort of aggregate data through reverse engineering the bank's APIs. So this is before PSD2, before open banking and everything. And we took that data, categorized that, and sort of uh, made what you call the PFM. Uh, we moved past that now. We introduced payment initiation services within the platform. Uh, we today actually offer a way to do product recommendations. So we can switch your mortgage, find a new savings accounts, you can do everything within our application. You can do it within five minutes digitally, everything. So in a sense, we partner with the bank there on the distribution. But then on the other side where I work, we also take that underlying technology and we license that to the banks so they can do the same things as we do by themselves. Yeah, so you're, you're one of those pure, when you look at it from a fintech side, and I'm a bank, so where's BBVA up there? Hey, BBVA. So a good example of that, right? You take a, a narrow focus or a couple of use cases, use cases and just make them work like they're supposed to. You said switching a mortgage, I think you said, in five minutes? Yeah, exactly. So we, since we aggregate a lot of data, not only financial, we can sort of pre-fill all those uh, forms and everything you need to sign. And then... Oh, thank God, by the way. <laughs> thank you for doing that. Yeah, and then sort of the digital onboarding experience becomes super quick. I don't know what it's like in Finland. In the U.S., nobody switches accounts, right? I mean, they see that and they're like, oh, my God, I'm going to spend five days freaking typing all my details and pulling them in. But you're doing it from multiple sources, right? Yeah, That's exactly. some of the magic. Yeah, so, I mean, it's the same in Sweden. I think like 80% of the Swedish population inherits their bank. So they never change it at all. Uh, we think you can really just cherry pick the best products out there. And then you can manage everything within one single interface. Uh, so you don't really have to uh, do anything with your bank at all if you don't want to, but you can still have the best products everywhere. So, I mean, obviously, if you're a BBVA client or an OP, you have no desire to change because you guys are just lovely and we love you. But other banks, right? A little bit more of a pain in the ass. What, what banks do you work with? Can you name some of them? Uh, so our customers today is Swedish Bank SCB, Nordea, uh, ABN AMRO in the Netherlands, and Klarna, actually, as well. Oh, Klarna yep. is one. So what, that's, <laughs> that's probably like when they start talking payments and everything. I mean, when you start aggregating the data, getting all these insights, you want to do advice and recommendations, but then you realize that you also want to touch the money. Like, you can't really do anything without being able to move that around and, and do things. So, I mean, it's, it's really just echoing what everyone has been saying, really. I mean, it's payments is, of course, enabler in that sense. 
All right, so, so we're going to wrap up. We've got about a minute left. So we're going to dive into some of the more important questions. So season two of Stranger Things. Yes. Right? Uh, better? I think the first one was better, actually. Yeah, I, I do, mean, too. You, you really like the characters. You know, you really relate to the people and everything. And now they just sort of branch it everywhere. I don't really know what, what happened in, in, in the emo period, for example. Well, Tashi and I bonded over Battlestar Galactica. So just a quick shout-out. Just get over it. Folks, Battlestar Galactica... Watch it. Isn't it one of the best freaking shows ever? It's one of the best in the world, I guess. Okay, so you learned a lot. Okay, Stranger Things Season 2. Not as good as Season 1. We won't ruin the spoilers. Tashi, sounds like an incredible product. Thank you. Tink, right? Yes. Jason? So we've learned about Battlestar Galactica. Thanks, Sam. That's uh, that's FinTech for us. So we can't come to the Nordic region, to Scandinavia, without asking a question that everyone who isn't here is asking. Like, this cashless thing... Like, what's up with that? The, the European Central Bank just produced a report, like yesterday, the day before, to say that Finland, the Netherlands, Estonia are leading the world in terms of going cashless, getting rid of physical money. Like, why? Like, how does that work? I think that it sums up with uh, what we were talking before about convenience. How can we bring amazing to the hands of our customers? Well, convenience is one easy way to smooth out the life of our But beyond that, I mean, even you, you go to, uh, to the US where Sam is, like you could make the same argument about convenience, but it, it, you know, they're, they're light years behind everything else. AJ, why, why this region? Of course, I agree with, uh, with the BBVA lady on the convenience. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good answer. But on top of that, I think network effect. I mean, it's just absolutely possible to pay everywhere with your card not to use cash. I go weeks without cash myself. And, uh, and, and it's, there's, a, there's a very, very clear difference between our customers in Finland and our customers in Germany and, Germany and Austria. One of our uh, most used services in Germany and Austria is ATM withdrawals. So people take money out of their Hovi account using our card to get cash so that they can make purchases. Because, for example, in Austria, there are many businesses that don't even accept uh, cards. They just want cash. Finland, completely different. So, Yanni, Germany, Austria, I think the, the ECB report talks about Greece and Malta being at the bottom of the league table. Mm. Like, what is this inter-country thing? Have you got any, any views? Yeah, well, um, for Scandinavia, why we are perhaps leading the pack uh, is that, uh, well, there are a couple of things. The one is that uh, there is a, a, a tra- tradition, a history of innovation in fintech. Uh, we were... I think uh, in Finland uh, we had an online online banking uh-huh. second in the world, and in Sweden, Handelsbank uh, uh, was third in the world. Uh, then, then uh, not just in fintech, but in general, consumers here tend to pick up on new digital experiences fairly quickly. Whether we talk about music or well, fintech then. Uh, and then uh, there's there's uh, uh, one additional thing, which is particularly to Sweden. Uh, they have, um, I guess, set this, uh, themselves this uh, objective of uh, leading global change, getting rid of cash and uh, doing crazy things like, you know, enlisting ABBA, the, the pop band, uh, to, to take the message across to, to, to uh, regular people like uh-huh. us. And, and uh, yeah... Yeah, I was going to take a different tact. Um, you know, the, the you know, Nordics are you know, well known for having early tech adoption. But I would also say that they, they trust their banks. 
Um, when you talk about Greece and, and Malta, you know, the reason why they're not taking a uh, card and they're keeping everything in cash is because they keep it all in cash. And you could argue that um, a lot of places, why uh, merchants don't want to accept card is because they're put on the system. You know, if you take cash, then you're out of the, you're out of the system. So I think there could be some hangovers in, you know, whether it's the Nordic's kind of progressive approach to tax. Um, and that's why everyone's happy to accept card because it's just, it's just ingrained in, in the culture. When you take it to, you know, I dare, dare I even say into, into, into the UK, you know, a lot of tax dodging going on, you know, not accepting card is a good way to, uh, to, to keep out of the system. Definitely di- different tact on the, uh, on, 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 the, uh, on, the, on the question. I think someone pointed out that actually the countries at the bottom of the league table were those that had had runs on their banks mm. and actually probably trusted the system least. So when you bring in that making things formal, suddenly having it on your company books, yeah. and the fact that I don't trust my bank, maybe it's no coincidence that people are hoarding Possibly. it under their mattresses and, and yeah. using that to spend. Yeah. But Sam, I think you've got someone who uh, who's probably knows a bit more than I do on this. Yeah, just, just a little bit. So this is Mark with Visa Europe. So he's literally Godzilla. I think that's a nice, in a nice way. If Godzilla was really nice and you worked with him, this is what it would look like. Love you, Mark. From London, right? Yeah, do I look like a Godzilla? Yes. And what's your exact job title? Um, my exact job title? Uh, exec director of uh, strategy programs and venture for Europe. All right. So for fintech companies, this is Mark. You should come meet Mark, Okay. So it's like Tinder and dating. Yeah. So from a venture capital side, when you're working with Visa, and you got more money than God, just go with it. What areas of fintech and tech as a whole excite you, especially when you're looking at the Nordics, because that's where we're focused? Okay, so um, I, think, I think what excites me about the Nordics is actually this, they've, they've pushed so much cash out of the system. And they're solving real, real problems. Um, they still remain today, right? So it's maybe a Klarna that is solving the frustrating, form-filling type nightmare you have in e-commerce and also backing that up with very quick credit decisions through the payment data they collect. Maybe it's a, a iZettle that is allowing those small businesses to accept card payments in the back of beyond. All right? so, so I think here we're solving really key problems, pushing cash out of the economy, um, and, and really, I think the Nordics has reached a tipping point where it's pretty close to one of you guys going cashless soon. Yeah, so from a U.S. standpoint, let me disappoint everybody. We're not that tech savvy. I believe 86%, about 86 to 87% of transactions are cash when it comes at the POS. Still. That is disappointing. Thank you very much. So we, we are leading the world in disappointment <laughs> right now. Damn it. Um, but it is, right? And then and even checks. Checks yeah. still account for about 10% but, of transactions. But on that point, I mean, I think um, Visa's biggest competitor is cash, yeah. right? But in the Nordics, it isn't. So we really need to work very closely with these markets. Uh, we need to understand some of the innovations that are happening, particularly around Swish, Mobile Pay, Vips. Those guys are squeezing that out from a P2P perspective. They'll move to Peter Merchant. There's some challenges there, but um, I'm really excited to see how they progress. Yeah, you talked about that with me. It was that shift from P to P to P to M, right? Yeah, I mean, they've got to make money somewhere, right? So one thing I think that works well in the Nordics that is, is, is unique, but it's Europe as a whole, you like the idea of transit when it comes to payments. Yeah, I mean, I think transit has several problems. I mean, we all hate buying tickets. We all hate working out what our fare is. We all hate validating our ticket. 
Um, certainly in London and London Transport, contactless for Visa has been incredibly successful. But that's not necessarily a model that's going to work everywhere. It's not going to work in Poland. It's not going to work in Germany. Um, so I think there is significant volume that Visa would get excited about there um, and really interesting early stage companies that are in that space. Yeah, I like, I like transit too, because mass transit, because repeatability. In London, you got, what, 8 million people on the tube every day. So it's that idea of you know you're going to get that transaction volume for it. I love that. It's, it's a great model. I want to thank you, Mark. You're incredibly sharp. However, you believe season two of Stranger Things is better than season one? I do, yeah. Maybe that's not you so sharp. But... 100% full of shit. I'm sorry. Jason, back to you. Thank you. I see that, uh, that theme coming. You know, suddenly it's like Sam's greatest hits on Netflix. You know, where do we take that? But I guess to build on Sam's question, you know, we've, 11FS, we've spoken to boards at a variety of banks. And I always think I'm going to go in and speak to, you know, the exec who know how this is all going to play out. What do the next few years come, you know, uh, what, are, what is going to happen in the next few years? What is their strong vision? And I'm yet to be surprised by something that, that really paints that picture of what the roadmap's like. So, of course, now the time has come to put you guys on the spot. Like, it's a crazy, chaotic, complex market. We've got disaggregation. We've got AI. We've got blockchain. We've got all kinds of PSD2 players coming along. Challenger banks. Everything's happening. What does all this look like in the next few years? Marisol, you get the, the pleasure of kicking this off. Well, uh, from my side, I want to say that the future is collaboration, that we need to work together to make this, to make this happen. So at the end, it's not about the startups or corporations or, or ecosystem builders or events or whatever. It's every, every one of us are building the future of bank. That's it. AJ. I hate this question because this goes on record so now and everybody you know a few years from now they can play the record back they can say the most biggest idiot in the world uh, said or that a genius or a genius but that chance is very small but anyway so I'll, I'll, I'll do my uh, flying bank branches pitch uh, no I, I, I think as, as Marisol said I think it's going to be about focus it's going to be Everybody focusing more tight because there's going to be more competition. There's going to be more focus on, uh, on uh, what you do. So banks are going to be focusing on what they do best and not be the supermarket of all financial services. So that's one thing. And the other thing is, of course, the, the big tech. I mean, you can talk as much as you want about the small tech, the, the small fintech players. And we're probably going to do, the, you know, do a lot of uh, innovation and change. But, but what are the big tech going to do? You know, the, the big G the big F and, and, and these guys. Wow, and it's like Voldemort. We're not even mentioning their names anymore. I, I know, I know. We, we can't say it here because, you know, they are so, uh, they're, they're so powerful because they, they are the guys leading the innovation in AI. They're the guys leading the innovation in machine learning, all of those big data stuff. They know that stuff already. They've got very large war chests and they want to move in and contextualize everything. So kind of take the business out of that because they already have a working business model. So that's, that's what's going to happen. How? I don't know. And as, as well, when you're thinking about GAFA, you know, you know those, those large companies, when it comes to Google and Amazon, when a bank digitizes, they're probably going to be hosted on one of those two's like, hosting services. So, you know. Absolutely. Um, but I guess for, for, for us, I think, you know, five years, the monolith model of banks, I think, will be gone. Um, I think we'll see banks... Uh, 
you know, bringing in lots of third-party uh, providers to to um, kind of you know increase service to their customers to make better better service, but also create products that aren't you know super expensive to serve to their customers as well. And then I think kind of ten years on, uh, finance will be much more you know where people are, and it's not going to be oh I'm going to go to my bank to do this thing. It's going to be completely seamless with with what with you know where they are in their within their in their experience, whether it's. I'm in Facebook or I'm in Amazon or whatever it is. You're going to have people who are competing at the attention layer for customers and, you know, who want to be the interface and who want to kind of maintain that relationship. But then you'll have, you know, other companies who just go, right, we're going to do this product and we're going to completely crush this product and be the best version of this vertical. And it's going to be put into many, many different places. But we don't care about how it's going to be done. We just care about optimizing this product as best as possible so it can be um, you know, picked up by customers as quickly as possible and as, in as, in as easily as possible, but also provides that high-value service to them. So I think you're going to have competition on two, on two levels, the attention and then the actual um, product itself. So, Yanni, going, going last, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> I agree with uh, everything that was said, uh, said here. I'll make a prediction from a slightly different angle. I uh, uh, predict that uh, the Nordics will be an even bigger hub for fintech innovation. We're going to see a lot more of these uh, uh, Klarna's, iSettles. We're going to see a lot more investment going into innovation in this, this uh, uh, area. Uh, and also having lots more talent. Uh, I mean, there's, there is a lot of talent here, but even more. Even more talent. Yes. Even more talent. So, the, uh, the sun setting on the fintech pier. It's time to bring the panel to a close. But first, Marisol, where can people find more about what BBVA is doing in these, these um, uh, collaborations? One simple thing. Follow us on bbva.com. Our, our Twitter handles and social media, BBVA Innovation. We will open our open talent competition soon, so stay tuned. There you go, stay tuned. AJ, go, go to uh, holvi.com. You'll find all you need there, holvi.com. Holvi.com. You can search Bud in Google. If not, just go to thisisbud.com uh, to get more about what we do and how we help banks. You can tweet at us as well, uh, at this underscore is underscore Bud. Great. Yanni? Servant.com, servant with a said. Uh, you can also call on me, well, here, if you are here physically present, or uh, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, contact me on LinkedIn. So everyone's going to be at the bar later yeah, until we're all be at the bar. apparently yeah. two. So if you think this is incoherent now, you wait. Because a couple of those pineapple drinks are going to turn this into a whole new level. So to close out the show... We're, we've got to hear from Simon and today's final guest, who, by the way, is paying for all of these drinks. So, firstly, a round of applause, please. Come on, people. Like, did anybody try this pineapple thing? How awesome is this pineapple thing? Give it up for the people in the bar. That is freaking awesome. Simon, it's technically a coconut, not a pineapple thing. It's it's a coconut, yeah. Whatever it is, I love it, Christian. Yeah, I like it as well. Whatever it is, it's good. And to everybody at every other bar, you're awesome too. We love you equally. Of course we do. We're not leaving you out. Christian, 
Right. Thank you for putting this event on. What made you put this event on? Well, I mean, it's very dark here in the November. It is dark in November. I, I know, and it's very cold. It is very cold. And it is very wet. It is very wet. So why, why did you think, I need a beach, I wonder? I, I mean, why not? Like, yeah. the, the point is that uh, during February, we've been putting people in the ice holes uh, to pitch for their startups. What on earth is the ice hole? Well, it is an amazing event where startups can pitch for as long as they want. They can pitch for as long as they want, yeah. so long as they survive the ice hole. Exactly. <laughs> that sounds pretty epic. Christian, um, I guess you're from OP. Tell us a little bit about OP, because, hey, hey before I do that, actually, yeah. is anybody here from Finland? Stick your arm in the air. Okay, so you guys know who OP is. Is anybody here not from Finland? Arms in the air. Woo! Okay, so you guys might not know that these guys are really cool. Not just for this event, but you guys rock. Yeah, I guess we do. So what is it you do? You're a bank, right? But you do a little more? Yeah, we're a hospital and we sell electric cars and we do (laughs) insurance. And do you want me to go on? I love the sound of that. So Christian, where do people find out about OP? And and tell us what you're up to. Well, OP.fi and OP-lab.fi. OP Lab is sort of an innovation unit where we research lots of stuff, technology and customers and whatever. I've been to a lot of labs. There are a lot of good labs out there. But I like yours as well. Yours is awesome. Yeah, we do pineapple. You do pineapple. This is the first time I've done pineapple pay. This has been really good. Yeah, I I know. But, you know, pineapple comes from pine and apple. Pine is a really old tree that has lasted forever, right? Yeah. And apples last for a season. So by combining pine and apple, you get startup collaboration with banks. Christian. Something that is future-proof. You are future-proofing banking. You are future-proofing my liver with this drink. So I want to thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are enjoying the alcohol, if you are enjoying being here, will you please thank Christian Luoma from OP? Thank you, Christian. Thank you for coming here. Thank you so much. And that brings us to the end of a very special Scandinavian FinTech Insider. Well, before we get to the end, we have to thank a very special team who made this happen. Not only the sponsors, who have been amazing for allowing this to happen, but all of the folks at OP that made this happen. You guys have been incredible. Give yourselves a round of applause. Yeah, we don't want to forget the bartenders either, because they're my favorite people. The bartenders are rocking my world. But also, we have an incredibly talented production team here at 11FS. So, Oli, Laura, Michael, Simone, wherever you are, give it up for these people who Rock made this stars. happen. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And Mila from OP, thank you so much for making everything happen. Uh, this, I guess, has been... Fintech Insider Live. I've been Simon Taylor, and please, please give it up for my co-host, Sam Moore. Jason Bates. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you can find our podcast on iTunes if you want to hear yourself or any of the guests. Look up Fintech Insider on iTunes. Connect with us on Twitter and have fun this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Fintech Insider. Thank you and good night.